most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. Welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast presented by PrizePix. I'm your host, Samantha Praviti. Every Thursday here on this podcast, I will be answering your mailbag questions, which you can submit for future shows to mailbag at actionnetwork.com. It will also be featured in a written piece that you can find on actionnetwork.com. All right, let us just jump right into it. Aaron writes, are you bull or bear on Ezekiel Elliott rest of season? And then he asks Elliot or Mike Gesicki for George Kittle and Josh Jacobs. I have Dalvin Cook, Kareem Hunt, Tyson Williams at RB. Keep your tips up. Cute little ski reference. Um, So personally, I am bullish on Elliot rest of season. So yes, Elliot definitely put a lot of fantasy managers in a hole uh, after a Thursday night dud on national television. It was 11 carries for 33 yards, caught two passes for six yards. Good enough to finish his RB44 with 4.9 fantasy points. Hate to see it. Definitely not the performance that managers were hoping for, but I think it should have been at least somewhat expected. Like you probably couldn't sit Elliot if he was on your roster, but it also was opposite the Buccaneers shot down front seven. Um, so I don't think it's that, that surprising. Also worth noting that stat lines really just don't tell the whole story. Elliot was deployed in a blocking role a lot to protect quarterback Dak Prescott, who was returning from a major injury to protect him from this Bucks front seven. I think that his role will shift as the season progresses. Um, in terms of the trade, I am not exactly sure what side of the trade you are on, but in a vacuum, it's actually pretty even. Um, so it's going to come down to your roster needs. Um, the difference between Gesicki to Kittle is significant, but so is Elliot to Jacobs. So I think since you already have a top two your RB1 on your roster um, in Dalvin Cook, I would lean the Kittle side. I am bullish on Elliott rest of season, like I said, but I think you have enough running back depth and Kittle is going to be a monster this year. If he can stay healthy, he's the only 49er that I want on my team. All right. Next up, we've got Julie. She writes, who is the guy to roster between Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift or both? So, Julie, friends don't let friends think Williams is better than Swift. Even dealing with injuries, Swift saw 11 carries for 39 yards and caught eight of 11 passes for 65 yards and a touchdown. The Lions leaned heavily on the run game and Williams saw nine carries for 54 yards at a touchdown and caught eight of nine passes for 56 yards. He finished as RB4. So... Swift is the main guy in this offense, though, and I fully expect Williams to have a role moving forward. But I think he's going to take a backseat when Swift is fully healthy. I think both are actually valuable to have on your roster. Like, I have no problem having both Reem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Um, but if you have to choose one, it's Swift for me. So if you actually have both, I think you could shop one if you really want to. But I think Williams will definitely have flex appeal while DeAndre Swift should have, you know, high end RB2, possibly low end RB1 value um, moving forward. Fletcher writes, are we panicking on Mike Davis yet? 
So Fletcher, there is simply no other way of putting this. The Falcons offense was just mega cringe last week. The team was mollywopped by the Eagles who were actually dogs in this game and were held to just six points. Um, They couldn't seem to get anything going on the ground or through the air. Matt Ryan was held to 164 yards and zero touchdowns, which is very not Matt Ryan-like. It's pretty surprising given they were trailing for most of the game because I would think you'd see Matt Ryan kind of throwing it a lot, but it just seems like this offense didn't have anything going right. Davis posted 15 carries for 49 yards. That's 3.27 yards per carry. So definitely not great and caught three of six passes for 23 yards. It's not the worst showing, but it's not ideal. Meanwhile, Cordero Patterson was more effective than Davis and posted seven carries for 54 yards and caught both of his targets for 13 yards. I liked Davis a lot in drafts just because he was falling super far to me. So like you got to think about also like what you ended up using in terms of draft capital on him. Like if you ended up getting him in the seventh round or something like that, I don't think you're that concerned. I did not expect him to be RB 12 or whatever he finished as last year. So I think if you went into the draft with reasonable expectations, you're not freaking out. I remain fairly bullish on him based on the situation alone. So I am not ready to hit the panic button just yet. I would, however, fade him this week against the Buccaneers on the road. So Mike writes, will Melvin Gordon be able to hold off Javante Williams after his big first game? So Mike, I think this depends on what you mean by hold off Gordon. He obviously stole a show on the ground um, for the Broncos on Sunday, due in large part to a 70 yard touchdown. Uh, Williams actually saw more touches though in his rookie debut and posted 14 carries to Gordon's 11. He rushed for 45 yards and caught one target for minus four yards. Good enough for 4.6 fantasy points. Definitely disappointing given many managers drafted Williams multiple spots ahead of Gordon. But honestly, this was the team's plan all along. Um, Broncos insider Benjamin Albright, uh, we've talked about this a bunch on KOA. Uh, He expected a 60-40 workload split with Gordon getting the 60 side of that. So I don't think that's super surprising. Um, And also like super encouraging that Williams did see as much work as he did. So I think obviously Williams is the long-term play. Gordon is in the second year of a two-year contract he signed last year. So I think you know, Gordon's definitely going to start out as the feature guy. Um, but it's like I said, 60-40. So I think both of them are super valuable um, moving forward. Terry writes, with the loss of Raheem Mostert for the year, how is the San Francisco backfield going to pan out? And do we trust Elijah Mitchell or will Trey Sermon get a shot? So, Terry, good question. Let us consult the Ouija board. But um, in all seriousness, I would temper expectations for Mitchell or any 49ers running back since it's going to be a weekly dice roll, honestly trying to interpret Kyle Shanahan's smoke screens into lineup decisions. So Mitchell was the most popular waiver ad in all of fantasy football. He was probably your league's most sought after waiver ad after last week's Shanahanigans um, and the news that Mostert will miss the rest of the year with surgery. Um, Mitchell recorded 19 carries for 104 yards and a touchdown. And then Jim Michael Hasty rushed once for three yards and caught a pass for 15 yards. The team did also add former Lions running back Carry on Johnson after a short stint with the Eagles in light of the Moster injury. So this backfield is definitely getting a little crowded. Um, Worth noting, people are really quick to put Trey Sermon on the ice flow because he got benched in the first game. I am not 
necessarily reading too, too much into that. I'm not dropping Sermon. I think he's eventually going to play a role in this offense, possibly as early as next week. Like Kyle Shanahan is that unpredictable. So, and this backfield is super crowded. So TLDR, I don't trust any 49ers running back with Moster out for the year. Neither should you. I have no idea how this whole situation is going to pan out. It's probably just going to be a very annoying platoon. And if you hit on it, great. And if you don't, you don't. That is it. Um, Phil writes, can Taylor Heineke be a real NFL quarterback or is the stock way down on Terry McLaurin? So... In my opinion, the Ryan Fitzpatrick injury probably hurts McLaurin the most, followed by Curtis Samuel once he gets healthy. And looking at the game log, you know, of the other guys, it seems like Heineke actually targeted Logan Thomas three times. So I think his his value kind of remains neutral. We've seen that with tight ends. They tend to be a little bit more immune to poor quarterback play. I don't want to assume that Taylor Heineke is going to be a bad quarterback or anything, but there obviously is a reason that he wasn't the starter. Um, Running backs Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick could see more work on the ground in short yardage situations. I think they will be a little bit more pass conservative with Heineke under center. Now, all that said... We have seen McLaurin perform with bad quarterback play for almost his entire career. In 2019, he caught passes from Case Keenum, Dwayne Haskins, and Colt McCoy. And in 2020, he caught passes from Alex Smith, Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, and Taylor Heineke. So that's not an impressive cast. I don't know that Heineke is even in that much of a downgrade from the guys that he was catching passes from over the last two years. And this is what he said of the issue. If you want to be a top guy, you've got to go out there and make play. Doesn't matter if it's the fourth string QB. He said that to JP Finley of NBC Sports Washington. So I think McLaurin's ceiling takes a little bit of a hit. But I think he's still a very serviceable high-end wide receiver too, at least while Fitzpatrick is out. So I'm still starting him in most situations, including this week against the Giants. Right. Start one, Jalen Waddell, T. Higgins, Brandon Cooks, or Marvin Jones, full PPR. So of those four, Dale, it's going to be between Higgins and Cooks for me. Higgins has a slightly tougher matchup on the road against the Bears versus Cooks, who is on the road against the Browns. Um, Higgins has more competition for targets, too, from rookie Jamar Chase, who ended up looking excellent despite all the preseason chatter. And Tyler Boyd, um, you know, versus Cooks, who is competing against guys named Farrell Brown, Danny Amendola, and Conley. However, there is a stratospheric separation between the upside in the Bengals' office versus offense versus the Texans' offense. The Texans did show, like credit where credit is due, they did show that they're not just going to be an automatic buy for opposing teams. Um, obviously, they won in a surprising upset against the Jaguars. But in my opinion, there's really no comparing Tyrod Taylor to Joe Burrow. I expect the Texans to also lean much more in that crowded backfield and the Bengals to be very pass heavy this year. So I am starting Higgins. And for what it is worth, I would rank them as follows for full PPR. It would go Higgins, then Cooks, then a pretty big jump, then Waddle, then Jones. 
Next up here on the Fantasy Flux is a new segment we're calling Elite Entries, where we will dive into the prize picks app to build some entries. And my leg is Antonio Gibson, over 68 and a half rushing yards. So Gibson was featured super heavily in Washington's close loss to the Chargers with Ryan Fitzpatrick being knocked out of the game early. He saw 20 attempts for 90 yards, caught three of five passes for 18 yards. I think the football team is going to be even more bullish on the ground with Taylor Heineke taking over for Fitzpatrick, who is on I are now with the hip injury and the Giants are pretty pedestrian against the run. Melvin Gordon has had a 100 yard game last week. So give me Gibson to smash the over 68 and a half rushing yards. The next one I like is Terry McLaurin over 65 and a half receiving yards. So people are definitely going to be fading McLaurin with the switch to Heineke, but let's not pretend that he hasn't performed with subpar QB play in the past. I already told you guys about the interesting laundry list of quarterbacks that he's played against. It's really been his entire career. Uh, Last week, he caught all four of his passes for 62 yards. One of them was an absolutely insane pass. Um, You know, I think that the Chargers secondary is also going to be stronger than the Giants. So give me Terry McLaurin to go over 65 and a half receiving yards. The last one I like is Sterling Shepard under 57 and a half receiving yards. So Shepard is actually a sell high for me at this point. Yes, he looked good in the Giants' loss to the Broncos last week. He saw two more targets than anyone else on the team, caught seven of nine passes for 113 yards and a touchdown, but he is facing a tougher Washington secondary and pass rush that recorded the fifth most sacks per game in 2020. I think that's going to be tough for Daniel Jones. I think this offensive line is still pretty untested. Not great. Um, We're going to see him on the run a lot. I also expect Kenny Galladay to see increasingly more targets as time goes on while Galladay adjusts to the new offense, the change at quarterback and recovers from his hamstring injury. So this is an easy under for me. It kind of feels like people are just a little bit reacting to one really good game from him. And I just I just don't know that I'm there yet for Shepard. All right. So that is our elite entry for Thursday Night Football. Antonio Gibson over 68 and a half rushing yards. Terry McLaurin over 65 and a half receiving yards and Sterling Shepard under 57 and a half receiving yards. As a reminder, you can mix and match fantasy points and player props to make your lineups super spicy and price fix markets move. So you're going to want to be nimble to lock in the best numbers. If you haven't created a prize fix account yet, please check out the link in our episode description because prize fix has a special offer for fantasy flex listeners. They will match your first deposit up to $100. Just click the link in our episode description or visit prizepix.com and use promo code action 10. All right, let us keep it moving here on our mailbag episode. All right. Next question is Joel writes week two. I need one wide receiver, Robbie Anderson, Mike Williams, or Cortland Sutton. So Joel, I feel like it is a toss up between those three. Like those are really, really close for me. You didn't specify format, but I think that they're all kind of really close. I think I'm going to go with Sutton with the slight edge just due to the matchup. So Sutton had the worst week one of those three. So I understand the inversion. He's also coming off an injury. He caught one of three passes for 14 yards and clearly lacked chemistry with new quarterback Teddy Bridgewater that Jerry Judy did have with him. Um, So that said, Jerry Judy is out for four to eight weeks with this high ankle sprain. Really don't know when he's coming back. That like high ankle sprain is what is keeping Michael Thomas sidelined at this point. So anyway, that that's going to mean that the other pass catchers are going to have to step up. This in theory should result in more targets for Sutton as well as Noah fans. 
KJ Hamler and Tim Patrick. I think the Broncos intended to ease Sutton in, who is returning, like I said, from a torn ACL. He is on the road this week against a Jaguars defense, which allowed a Tyrod Taylor-led Texans team to throw all over the place. Say that 10 times fast. Um, It should be a great bounce back spot for Sutton who now has a clear path to be the team's wide receiver one once again. Um, Anderson has the toughest matchup of the trio against the Saints at home. It's a little bit of a recency bias, but like New Orleans just held the Packers, who were one of the most fearsome offenses last year, to just three points. Devontae Adams was held to just five catches for 56 yards in the effort, and Aaron Rodgers was intercepted twice by Marcus Williams and cornerback Paulson Adebo. Wilson's week one was salvaged by a one by one catch, which was a 57 yard touchdown. So he definitely didn't kill you. That was on three targets, but he clearly took a backseat to DJ Moore and rookie Terrace Marshall from a a target standpoint. So I think he's definitely going to be the second or maybe third guy in this offense. Um, So I don't like that. Plus the matchup Williams is definitely interesting. He had the best week one of the group. He caught eight of 12 targets for 82 yards and a touchdown and faces a very permeable Dallas secondary this week. The chargers offense is also more pass heavy of the three, uh, the most pass heavy of the three, I should say, which should mean more opportunities, but Wilson is still the clear number two behind Keenan Allen, while Sutton is probably the team's wide receiver one now that Judy is out. So it's extremely close, but Sutton gets the edge. I would rank these three as follows for week two. It goes Sutton, then Williams, very close, and then Anderson a few spots below. Andrew writes, what is your season-long outlook on Corey Davis? I drafted him in multiple leagues because I liked the value. Can he be a high-end wide receiver three? Did week one just confirm my priors because I was bullish? Appreciate any insight on him. Yeah, Andrew, uh, Davis looked super sharp in his debut for Gang Green. He reeled in five catches on seven targets for 97 yards and two touchdowns. Absolutely phenomenal. Was clearly... Uh, This was all from rookie Zach Wilson. He was clearly the top target for Wilson. He scored 24.2 fantasy points in half PPR, finished as wide receiver five. That said, I do expect Davis to come back down to earth over the next two weeks. The Jets have a brutal week two matchup against the Patriots, whose coach Bill Belichick is just notoriously adept at shutting down rookie quarterbacks. They they then face the Broncos on the road in week three season long, though. I do expect him to be in that high end wide receiver three range. I think you got a great value on him because people were just so down on the Jets offense. So congrats um, and congrats on probably winning your week one matchup at 90 space. Dad writes flex help full PPR league, Miles Sanders, Robbie Anderson or Sterling Shepard. All right. So of those three, it's got to be Sanders for me. I get the temptation to lean receiver in your flex spot, especially in PPR formats. But Sanders gives you a pretty guaranteed floor over the two. He was the feature back against Atlanta in week one. He saw 19 touches to Kenny Gainwell's 11. The team is going to use both backs, but I think Sanders is going to be the main guy right now. It is the Eagles home opener against the 49ers who come who are coming from the West Coast on a one o'clock game. They looked very permeable against the run against the lowly Lions last week. Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift had good games. I think he has 
the best matchup of the trio. And I like him um, in terms of upside this week. So Anderson, we kind of just talked about it was his week one was totally saved by that 57 yard touchdown. Clearly not Sam Darnold's top option, which is honestly a little bit surprising. I thought he would lean on Anderson a little bit more just because they did play together before, but Anderson faces the saints at home this week, whose defense looked super stout, held the Packers to a field goal. So I think that's definitely a tough matchup. And then Shepard, definitely the lone bright spot in the giants loss. We talked about him. He saw two targets uh, more than anyone on the team uh, caught 113 yards in a touchdown. Kenny Galladay caught four of six passes for 64 yards and Darius Slayton caught three of seven passes for 65 yards. I expect Galladay to be heavily targeted once he fully recovers from this preseason hamstring injury. Like they didn't go out there and spend all their money during free agency to have a guy sit on their bench and, you know, play number two to Sterling Shepard. So I think this is going to hurt Sterling Shepard's target share. The Giants also face Washington this week, whose secondary and pass rush are going to be a problem for Daniel Jones. So I am going Sanders and I would rank these three for week two as follows. Sanders, then Anderson, then Shepard. At Fauci is God writes Antonio Brown or Elijah Mitchell. So again, with the 49ers backfield, Mitchell has Shanahan's favor for now, which probably means Jamichael Hasey is going to go off this week or Tree Sermon is going to go off this week. You know, in all seriousness, I'm going to temper expectations for Mitchell or any 49ers running back. It's almost like we don't learn, including myself. Like we just don't learn that Kyle Shanahan cannot be trusted for fantasy. No one except for George Kittle can be trusted, but you know, it's going to be very difficult to interpret his smoke screens every week. Sermon's eventually going to play a role possibly as early as this week. So I think it's just really, really tough um, to trust anyone, including Mitchell. He has a significantly tougher matchup than Brown does on the road against the Eagles, who just boxed up Mike Davis last week. Davis looked pretty bad against them, so could be possibly a little bit Mike Davis. But I don't know. With that platoon, I'm just not super, super excited to start Mitchell, whereas Antonio Brown completely stole the show in the NFL opener against the Cowboys. He looked like vintage Antonio Brown. He was the Buccaneers top receiver and caught five of seven targets for 120 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Tampa's offense was just firing on all cylinders in week one, and they get another cupcake matchup this week at home against the Falcons bottom of the barrel pass defense that just made Jalen Hurts look like Peyton Manning. So it is a Brown by a landslide for me. Maxwell writes, would you rather start Debo Samuel or Mike Davis 12 person PPR? Thank you. Maxwell, I am going with Samuel, even though I just uh, kind of bashed the 49ers. I think he's a little bit of a sell high at this point. He seems to be in Kyle Shanahan's good graces for now. He put up a monster game as the focal point of this offense last week against Detroit, caught nine of 12 targets for 189 yards and a touchdown. In contrast, you know, Trent Sherfield caught two of three targets for 23 yards and a touchdown. And Brandon Ayuk, who I was ready to put on the back of a milk carton, saw zero targets targets all day. Samuel finished with 27.4 fantasy points in half PPR, the third best of the week among receivers. I don't expect 
Kyle's smokescreen Shanahan to truly lean on any one receiver, especially with Ayuk trending towards being healthy. But for now, I'm going to trust Samuel over Davis, who just has that brutal week two matchup on the road against the Bucks. We've talked about Davis. I think he just doesn't have the ceiling that Samuel might have in this game. Last question is at Keeney Crushing writes, I have Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts. Should I try to trade one of them for a running back? I currently have Jamal Williams as a insurance policy for DeAndre Swift and Latavius Murray as my only bench running backs. If so, what running backs are the right value for each quarterback? So I'm going to assume this is a one quarterback league. This was not specified, but I'm going to assume it is considering you're trying to shop one of them. I would absolutely try to flip one of them for a running back, assuming that is your leanest position. Like, I'm just making a lot of assumptions since I can't see your roster. Okay, moving on to the next part of this this question. Comparing quarterback and running back values is just super, super tough. It really just varies uh, based on your league's positional scarcity and manager's needs. Like, you know, if someone really needs a quarterback, they're going to pay more. Um, that said, some of the really nice buy low running backs I like this week are Clyde Edwards, Elair, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, Aaron Jones, and Najee Harris. Now, I'm not saying that any of those managers that have them rostered are going to be willing to flip them for a quarterback, but I think that, the, you know, one of them might be in there in that range. Um, Allen will probably fetch more in terms of running back value. And I'm personally fine having either of those guys as my lone quarterback. So I would probably try to shop Allen, though you might be selling a little low on him at this point after his kind of embarrassing week one performance against the Steelers. Another obstacle you might have in flipping one of your quarterbacks would be the dearth of injuries to any top quarterback in week one. Obviously, a good thing. Like, we're not wishing any injuries on anyone. But if you are trying to flip one of them, I might wait until someone gets injured. Like, it's totally inevitable. I mean, someone will get injured and you can then kind of jump on their needs. But also, Maybe the manager that has Aaron Rodgers or Ryan Tannehill is panicking, in which case send them the offer. Like if, if they have a running back, they have lots of running backs on their roster. I could see it happening. So anything is possible. Just don't send like ridiculous trade offers. That's obviously the worst. All right. That will do it for this mailbag episode. As a reminder, Sean Kerner and Chris Raybon are here on the Fantasy Flex every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, giving you guys all the DFS, waiver wire, and rankings info to help you dominate your fantasy leagues. I will be back next Tuesday with another round of 21 questions with special guest Adam Rank from NFL Network. And I'll be back next Thursday with another mailbag episode. So don't forget, please send any mailbag questions to mailbag at actionnetwork.com. Thanks again for listening. Please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts podcasts. Download us wherever you like to listen, and we will see you next time on the Fantasy Flex presented by Prize Picks. Peace out, y'all.